This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Hey, it's C. Sparky Pfeiffer, 1250 AM. The fan here with you, along with our guy, Nathan Marzion, Bucks super fan. Follow him on Twitter at Nathan Marzion. You can follow me at Sparky Radio. And uh, as we get into talking about the Bucks winning streak being over, Talking about uh, the Bucks' last couple of games, which resulted in wins, including uh, beating Orlando. Uh, that's when we're recording here is after the Bucks-Orlando game on Tuesday. Before we get into all of that, plus your Twitter uh, topics that you wanted to discuss today that you guys tweeted at Nathan Marziano and myself. Uh, Nathan, how was the weekend? Any news to report? Did you run off and get married or anything fun and exciting like that? Go on a big drunken bender at some point? Uh, crash into a wall or anything fun? No, I mean, I I was out downtown pretty much the whole weekend uh the shamrock shuffle was going on so that was really that was fun but like i wasn't too drunk there wasn't i was kind of i was planning on getting more drunk after the bucks game ended and then the bucks game made me upset so i just went home and that was that (laughs) oh some poor girl have you ever seen uh the movie fever pitch no okay i want i want you to do homework you have until next Tuesday. So I'll give you a whole week. Uh, it's got to be on one of the streaming devices or whatever else. Fever Pitch. It's not a basketball movie. It's a baseball movie. But it's a baseball movie with Jimmy Fallon uh, and Drew Barrymore. And Jimmy Fallon is a Boston Red Sox obsessed fan. Like, it pretty much runs his life. And I just think of I, I think of you a little bit. And, like, this is how this may go for the next several years or so and how it affects, you know, his potential relationship and what happens. It's a very funny movie. And most sports people, if you have not seen the movie, see the movie. It's a romantic comedy type deal. And it's very, very funny. So that that's your homework fever pitch. And then I want to report and tell me if you think you're at this dude's level when it comes to bucks fandom. All right. All right. All right, let's talk about uh, this bucks team. This Milwaukee bucks team winning streak is over. I was thinking of Marzian. Uh, when it when it ended, I was like, okay, well, this didn't get too far, too out of control. It ended rather quickly, uh, and well, not quickly. They had a nice run, uh, but it didn't extend into the twenties, the thirties, or nothing like that, where it became uh, more attention filled. And to be honest with you, that Buck Sixers game, they lose what was it, one thirty three to one thirty. It was a good game. Like I, I tweeted, I think it was the first half of that game. Like Bucks are the best team in the NBA. Like I, I don't, I don't care what anybody else has to say. They're the best team in the NBA. And of course, then you get Celtics fans tweeting at me like they tweeted Marzion. And I had that to deal with after that. But I- I'm just saying, even when they lost that game, that did not change my opinion 
whatsoever. Then this morning, this morning, last night, I'm old. I get everything confused. But Jalen Rose it was this morning because he was complaining about how early he had to get up. Jalen Rose was on ESPN talking about how the Celtics are the deepest team in the NBA. No chance. There's no chance. I, I'll take the Boston's bench or Milwaukee's bench, I should say. Uh, Milwaukee starters over what Boston has to offer at this point. And by the way, did it make you smile, Nathan? Like it made me smile when Grant Williams missed both those free throws after yes. Donovan Mitchell ran his mouth. That that was beautiful. I mean, yeah. I think most Bucks fans smiled. I think most of the country smiled when Grant Williams choked that that, that bad boy away. Uh, but so for me, even though they lost that game, I was like, this is fine. Like they were going to lose eventually one way or the other. Philly's not a trash team. Philly's a, a pretty decent team. Harden played very well. And Bede played well in that game. They needed both of them to play well in order to beat the Bucs. So, got fine with it. In a seven-game series, Philly's not beating Milwaukee. That 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 never crossed my mind watching that game. There's no way they're beating Milwaukee. So, for me, even though they lost the game, I'm still happy uh, with the outlook for the Milwaukee Bucks going forward. How about you, Mr. Marziano? Yeah, it wasn't concerning. It was just frustrating the way they gave it away. Um, Like, if you told me going into the day, like they were going to lose that game, I wouldn't be that upset about it. But the way it happened was pretty upsetting. Just them, you know, losing that lead. They had a 14 point lead. I think it was going into the fourth mm-hmm. and, you know, just not being able to get things done down the stretch. And, you know, Chris going under the screen that lets Harden hit a three and then flying by MB who then hits a three. Like there was just things that you're like, man, if you do kind of one little thing right here, all of a sudden that's a different game. And it did definitely help to have the, you know, the Celtics lose, um, you know, the next day and we won the next day. So it was like, okay, you know, we, at least it kind of made up for it that way where it didn't end up being that big of a deal. Um, it's not like the Celtics got much closer to us in the standings or anything, but, um, it was frustrating the way it ended. But yeah, like you said, not anything that you're concerned about with like, like there was nothing that happened in that game that made me go, Oh my goodness, you know, we're not beating the Sixers or we're going to have trouble with the Sixers. I mean, they got big games from Embiid and Harden. Um, Giannis had a bad game. Chris had a really bad game. And, like, we still should have beaten them. Should have won. Yep. um, If they just hold on to that lead. And I know they didn't have, you know, Tobias in the second half there and whatever. But, like, at the same time, that also makes things a little bit more difficult on, you know, it's hard to, like, match up with a team when all of a sudden one of their, you know, starters goes out it does kind of throw you off a little bit. You're not really used to like some of the different lineups they throw out there. So it can just change things sometimes for the better, but just by being different and just by being something that the defense isn't expecting or the opposing team isn't expecting. So I don't know. It just, that, that fourth quarter got kind of weird and got annoying and they gave up 48 points. I think it was, which was crazy. Yeah. Um, again, that, that was, it was frustrating the way it happened, but there's nothing that I was like, all right, you know, this is something that would, you know, has long-term, um, it makes me feel bad about the Bucks long term. Like it was just a, a frustrating game. So when I thought about Marzian, I wasn't thinking like, oh, Marzian, Marzian's devastated and whatever. I'm not thinking any of that. I mean, he took it harder than I thought he was going to take it. So okay, fine. So everything you say is true and accurate. Fine. I'll tell you what irritated me. If something was going to irritate me, you were irritated by the things you said. I'm done with Giannis initiating offense, y'all. Done. I'm done. Like if he doesn't do it again the rest of the year, I'm totally fine with it. Like the dribble, 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 dribble. And then I'm going to try and charge in there and do my thing. That That is a large part of what happened there. He decided he was going to start running the offense. And then that was the end of Drew Holiday for a while. And that just cannot happen, y'all. I mean, he cannot be that guy. You've got Drew Holiday. I'm fine with Javon Carter at this point initiating the offense if you want to do that. I'm fine with Middleton initiating the offense if you want to do that. 
I have about had my fill of watching Giannis pound the air out of the basketball, trying to figure out what he's going to do. Like when they have good offensive sets run, it normally never starts with Giannis running the offensive set. Hardly ever happens. And so for me, I'd like to see that either completely go away or become significantly less when we get to the playoffs, Nathan. I do not agree. I, I think it definitely should be, it definitely should be less. I wouldn't say go away or be significantly less. The next day, he literally ran the offense and had 13 assists and played against really, a much really worse well. team. Yeah. But I don't care. I don't care. But when you get to the playoffs, play. you're going to have better basketball teams with better he, he defenses that you're going to have to deal with. Did he not run the offense for basically the majority of that 2021 playoff run and won a title? Sure. I mean, yeah. I just, to me, I'm like, it's not like it's like it's not been proven to work. I mean, I, again, I've always thought 100%, especially late in games, like in the fourth quarter of that game, like, Yes, I absolutely think that that should, your go-to should be get the ball to Chris or Drew's hands and use Giannis as a roller, yada, yada. But, like, overall, like, throughout the, the, the course of a game, I have no problem with it still being a lot of Giannis having the ball and Giannis making the decisions and all that. I just think, you know, I def definitely they can um, go away from that a little bit. And, I mean, I don't think this is a, a Giannis thing. I think it's a coaching thing. Like, I, Giannis has never sure. been the guy that give me the ball. I'm doing my thing. Like, he's more of, okay, whatever they want me to do. And so, you know, like, if they told him, hey, Giannis, you're going to play off ball. We're giving the ball to Chris or Drew. Like, he's not going to have a problem with that. That's He's going to be completely fine with it. That's one of the, you know, great things about Giannis is he doesn't have a huge ego. He's not trying to be the guy all the time. Um, so I absolutely think that they should go away from it a little bit. But I, I, I don't know. I disagree with, you know, you said that, it like like any good things that happen almost never come from Giannis initiating the offense. I don't think that's true. I think, um, I think you know it, again they could go away from it a little bit, but he has hit tons of good moments. He'll have some bad games. He'll have sometimes he has you know a ton of turnovers and um, forces it a little bit too much. And maybe you know how you know, we go back in earlier podcasts. What was it, a couple weeks ago? And you had those stats of whenever guys were getting the ball from Giannis, the shooting percentage wasn't that good. And you well, that's going up, though. Okay, fine. But I'm just saying, back then, you couldn't figure out what was going on, right? I think sometimes it becomes the, we're going to stand and watch Giannis a little bit as he's initiating the offense and going. Because probably, I'd like to know this, I don't have the number. Maybe I'm dead wrong. But I would guess, more than not, he's going with the ball more than he's passing the ball. So, more than likely, most of the time, he's pound, 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 and then he's attacking. Now, he may pass out of the attack, but more times than not, it's not dribble up and then, okay, I'm passing over here to the left or I'm passing over the right or I'm throwing a bounce to a cutter going to the rim. Like that doesn't happen as much as maybe it would necessarily if it was somebody else initiating the offense. I guess that's my point. I feel like it's Giannis pound, 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 and then he's going to attack and either kick to somebody in the corner or he's going to go bull in there and, and try and get himself a basket. And more times than not, he'll get themselves the basket. I understand that. But I think it leads to guys sometimes – kind of watching to see what he's going to do. That's where I, I think it stagnates the offense maybe a little bit, or when somebody else initiates that offense, you're getting three, four, five passes before that shot gets taken. Yeah, and I mean, again, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. I do think it definitely creates, you know, it, it becomes stagnant a little bit, and and they do need to be, you know, change it up more often, and if they're in need of a bucket, okay, go to go to Chris or Drew down the stretch, and, and again, it doesn't mean you're eliminating Giannis from having the ball, like try to get him the ball going to the basket, try to get him the ball. Sure. In other I, ways. Let me, let me clarify. I just don't like it when it's him initiating offense, like yeah, no. five or six possessions in a row. Yeah. Like if yeah. you want to do it here and there throughout the flow of a game, cool. 
But in that stretch, see, I'd have to go back and watch. But I think he went like five or six possessions in a row where it was him coming down initiating offense. Yeah, and I mean, it, again, to me, it's more of crunch time. Like, I don't like honestly, I don't care if in the second quarter, third quarter, he's initiating five or six times in a row, even if it's you know doesn't work a ton. Like, I'm not going to freak out about it. But crunch time, if it's a close game and it's not working, like you have to go away from that. Um, sure. sure. And I just think, yeah, I, I mean, I do think in general, reduce it by, you know, 20%. I mean, you you Fine. seem to be more of reduce it by a lot more than that. And Fine, just maybe... reduce it. Fine. You say 20%, I'll take it. Sold. If you were butt talking to me right now, I'd say sold, coach. A right. deal. I'll take 20% less, coach. But I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm, not agreeing with, I'm not agreeing with you saying that, you know, they should almost go away from it. Well, I would love for that to happen, but I'll take 20% less. That's better than going at the rate we're going currently. Okay, so that, that's one thing that came out of the game. Now, the next thing. That I'm gonna bring up. I knew he was pissed off. I, I knew it. I could I could feel the steam coming off of my Twitter screen as it was going on. Marzian was going to start punching people in the face through Twitter about how they were going after Giannis on Twitter. And then people after he brought up, like, dude, just what's your deal? Like, lay off of Giannis. Like, enough is enough. Like, you're calling them names and all this other stuff. And then he was taking screenshots and showing pictures of the names that the people were calling Giannis. A couple of things, Nathan. One, it was, I, I thought it was entertaining. I enjoyed watching it. I wasn't about to engage with all these nutsos, uh, but I'm glad that you were taking the time and effort to engage with them. A couple of things. One, I'm not overly convinced that they're all Bucks fans that are necessarily going at Giannis and calling him names and everything else. Some maybe, some maybe have lost money on the game and are pissed off because they just lost a bunch of money that they thought they should have won because. They lost the game at the end or whatever the case may be. Like there's all kinds of different reasons. Some people are just psycho and just go crazy after every single loss, no matter what it is, no matter who it is. Could be Patrick Mahomes, could be Tom Brady, could be Aaron Rodgers, could be him, could be LeBron, whoever just wants to go and rip the superstar, call him names and go crazy because it makes themselves feel better about their life. I'm not quite sure what it is. So that's, that's all part of it. I am with you in the fact of, and maybe more even than you are because I've been alive longer of dude, you're never going to probably get this again in our lifetime. You're probably never going to get the best player in the NBA wearing a box uniform, probably for the rest of your lifetime. Maybe you'll get spoiled and get a second one, but more than likely this will probably be the only chance you're going to have in Milwaukee to have this type of dude playing. And why in the world would you lose your mind, especially over a regular, meaningless regular season game? Makes no sense. Like game seven of the finals, he misses four or five free throws in a row and you lose your mind because they lost the finals. Okay, maybe, but that's still no need to name call or whatever else, right? It's, hey, dude, got working your free throws, man. You, you killed us, whatever. Okay, fine, I get that. But the name calling and all that type of stuff, like that's, to me, that's just uncalled for in general across all Twitter of anybody. Like that whole name calling thing in general, probably is way over the line, no matter who you're talking to. But if you're a Bucks fan and that's the best player we've ever seen in our life, why in the world would you be doing it to begin with? I said my piece. Go ahead, Nate. I mean, it. it's not really, it's, it's, I don't even care about that, like name calling part of it. I'm more just like, why are you like, why are you saying anything other than, or anything more than, oh, Giannis kind of struggled, you know, like, okay, he had a pretty bad game. He was part of the reason we lost. Okay, move on. Like, it doesn't need to be, what the hell is Giannis's problem? Giannis is, you know, this is he's trash. He has no touch, blah blah. And it's like, the dude's been putting up forty a game for like ten games, and he has one, you know, off game where he only puts up 
34 and you know whatever it's like he, he, he i know he wasn't like the stats the counting stats weren't as good as he really was he didn't shoot the ball particularly well um he had turnovers all that but he still had like 32 and i don't even know what he had but it's like i what, like you don't need to overact every single time this dude and we saw this earlier in the season where it's like he has a slightly bad stretch and people are like oh you know what's wrong with Giannis's efficiency Giannis is you know He's not as good as he's regressed and he's, you know, this is just him falling off a little. I'm like, he's not falling off. What are you talking about? Like, relax. Like, it's okay. He can have a couple bad games. He can have, they're not bad games. They're just like slightly off games. It's like, relax. It All you can, you know, he can have a bad game. He's, and I just don't, I'll never be like, I'll never be mad at anyone for saying he had a bad game. If he had a bad game, I'm not going to like, you can call that out. I'm not saying you can never say a bad word about the dude, but like to sit there and act like it's anything more than a bad game. And to sit there and react as though like he's been terrible all year or that he like he had a bad game. Okay, he was part of the reason we lost. Cool. I don't care. He's been part of the reason we won the last 16 games before that. So like relax. I it's just it's so annoying that people just can't and it's not everyone. This is a small portion of people. I mean, I'm not I, uh, most Bucks fans weren't like this. Most Bucks fans just are rational about it. But then you just get the people that are just so um, you know, again, every time there's like a slightly does something wrong or like makes one bad play. It's like sometimes late in games, like he'll, he'll make, you know, one bad decision. And people are like, Giannis IQ is terrible. Oh, his basketball IQ sucks. Like he's so dumb. And I'm like, just relax, like chill. Like it's okay. He can make a mistake. Every single player makes mistakes. Like it's okay. Yeah, no, absolutely correct. No doubt about it. I I've learned over the course of time to ignore people. Uh, I'm, I'm getting better at it. I don't really block anybody. I think I only blocked one person. I don't block Maybe anyone. Two people I might have blocked in my entire time on Twitter. A lot I, of uh, other people block like hundreds of people. Um, yeah. I get real sensitive over everything. But I think I've only blocked one or two people total in my time on Twitter. I don't block people. I do the um called soft blocking where like Immune. if someone if someone follows you, but they're only really following you to troll, you block them and then you right away unblock them. So it basically removes them as a follower. And that way it's like, all right, like I don't need you following me to just like hate on all my shit excuse me, hit on all my crap, yeah. whatever. But like, then it's like, you just kind of get rid of them without actually blocking them. If that makes yeah, sense. That's interesting. Never thought about that. Never done that. No. Uh, okay. Let's move on to topic number two. How much rest do you want the Bucks big three to have the rest of the way? This uh, recent game that we're doing the, the show after the Bucks Orlando game in Orlando, Bucks get the relatively easy victory. There was no Drew Holiday. There was no Giannis. Now, uh, with that being said, Middleton got the start, played a significant amount of time played well. Uh, Joe Ingles played well. Jay Crowder played well. He got more run than he's had all year uh, in that game. Brooke Lopez uh, played well in this game. So there were a lot of good aspects of what this Bucks team was able to do. Javon Carter, obviously, we got to bring him up. That's one of the Twitter uh, topics coming up here in the next segment. But uh, So a lot of good things came from this game. So they can win without Giannis on the floor. They can win without Drew Holiday. Tonight, they won without both of them on the floor. Again, Orlando's not that good, right? So you're probably not going to beat Philadelphia without Giannis and Drew. That's probably not going to happen. So you're going to have to pick your spots where you want to rest one or two guys. But how much rest would you want to see these guys get Nathan Marzian the rest of the way out here? It very much depends on the standing situation. I mean, if they're in a comfortable position where, all right, we can lose and it's not a huge deal, you can definitely, you know, you can be more lenient with like resting guys. And um, again, they have these back-to-backs coming up. And and sometimes that depends, like there's one back-to-back they have, first they have the Jazz and then they have the Nuggets. Okay, do you rest them a little bit against the Jazz? Yep. 
so that you can go against the Nuggets? Like maybe, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not sure how they'll play it out, but um or just be know. the Celtics, be the Celtics, and then just sit Giannis against uh, the Joker so people can't have a comparison or or conversation about the game. Just need to be yeah, like and- that. Because that's what pretty much what Boston did against Milwaukee. Set everybody in the next game. Oh, they all can play now. Yeah. Sorry. Then- I'm very bitter and sick of Boston. Go ahead. Another one of those back-to-backs they have at Pacers and then the day after they play the Celtics. So it's like, again, do you rest them against the Pacers so you can gear up for the Celtics? No, no, I'm resting. But now, see, that's different because the Celtics, that could be for home court advantage in the Eastern Conference Final, possibly, right? Is it going to mean that much or no? I mean, I mean, it could. Like, that's what I'm saying, though. It depends on the situation. If you get to to a point where, you know, you're going into that back-to-back and you're like, okay, we're going to need this game. All right, rest them against the Pacers, play them against the Celtics. But if you're like, it doesn't really matter, you know, you might play it differently. I don't know. It, it It's so dependent on the situation of how everything's going. And, you know, and also, I mean, I don't know. I think people just assume that these guys are always fine to play. And these guys are always like, when they sit, they're just sitting because they want rest. I think there are times where guys like, like Chris has said, where he, you know, he gets up and he's like, I really don't feel my best. Like, I don't think that I would help the team very much if I played tonight. Okay, rest him. Like, that's okay. Like, give them the day off if they feel like they actually need the day off. Um, So let the players kind of decide. They know what they're doing. I've, I've said it before. They know what's best for them. Like, I, I just, I trust that those guys will, will be able to balance, all right, prioritizing my health versus prioritizing, you know, the team getting the top seed and all that. Like, they, they're, they're going to know what they're doing. They've been through this before. They've been in both situations where they got the top seed, where they didn't have the top seed. Like they, they know what they're doing. I just, I think that it'll all come down to, um, you know, how the standings look and everything. And that'll be determining how they, how they, you know, manage all this. Is Buck super fan. Follow him on Twitter at Nathan Marzian. I'm C Sparky Fiery. Follow me at Sparky radio. Don't forget, subscribe, follow all that fun stuff. Uh, so, you know, you can make sure never to miss one of our green and growing podcasts. Make sure to tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers, tell random people at the mall when you go shopping, Hey, green and growing as they're walking past you. They'll figure it out. Uh, okay. Let's uh, move on to Twitter topics. Uh, we put this out about halftime. Uh, of this game tonight uh, as we were knew we were going to do this after the game to see kind of what people were uh, wanting us to talk about today. Mill McLovin uh, tweets at Sparky Radio and at Nathan Marzian. Should Goran Dragic get any playoff time uh, minutes, I should say, over Javon Carter? How much does Joe Ingles play over Wesley Matthews for defensive and offensive purposes? You can start, Nathan. Um, to answer the first question, no, I hope not. Unless there's unless there's some injuries and he has to play, I don't really want Dragic to play too much. I could see him, you know, I could see him being a a Jeff Teague like player in the sense that, like, okay, we used him in that Atlanta series for a couple of games um, in 2021 because Giannis got hurt and there was like we just we needed some more guys. Okay, like that's kind of what he is. He's more of an emergency guy to have that you know has experience and you can trust a little bit. But I just hope he's not someone that they depend on, that they like actually are like, let's play this guy 10 minutes a game and take that away from Javon Carter. Like Javon Carter's been so he was fantastic tonight. Again, he's been shooting the crap out of the ball. Like he's been super, super good. I want to see them roll with him. Now, it's also a good thing to have in case, let's say you get into a playoff series and Javon is playing really poorly. Okay, you have that option to change it out, but go with Javon first and don't just like 
like, I don't know. Again, last year they went with George Hill and stuck to it and didn't give Javon an opportunity. And it was like, why are you not willing to like change anything? Why are you kind of just going into with one plan and sticking to that plan the entire time? Like they should never go into it like that. And I think they've done a good job of getting enough depth backup options that they don't have to do that. They have so many options that they can, you know, adjust on the fly, change things up and go with the hot hand, go with whoever's playing better in so many different, like with, with so many different um, positions, like they can kind of just do this almost anywhere of just, Hey, we're going to go with the guy that that's playing the best right now. And so I want to see them be flexible, but as long as Javon's playing fine, there's really no reason I think for, for Dragic to be out there very much. And um, the other question was about Ingles versus Wesley Ingles, Matthews. Uh, Wesley Matthews playing time. Um, I've gone back and forth on this Ingles. He was great tonight. If he's, sure playing, like he was, if he's playing like he was tonight, then it's like awesome. Like he gives you, you know, some ball handling off the bench. He was, you know, making some nice passes, hitting his shots. Yeah. And it's like, if that Joe Ingles show, and again, this is another guy that you want to have the luxury of like, you don't have to have him out there if he's playing poorly, but if he is playing well, like you can keep him out there and you can change things up and be flexible. You have that option with how bad his defense has been overall. I would say I'm probably not playing Ingles very much, like at least not planning on it. Um, I don't think they're going to play Matthews very much, even though like his defense is so good, but like you could, you could put him out there maybe as, as, as a close for, for a closing lineup, if you need to, um, I've seen, you know, that go with like the, the Drew Wesley Matthews, uh, Chris J Crowder, Giannis, you know, closing lineup, nobody's scoring on that. And if like in a, in a situation where let's say you're in a, you're, in a, you're against a team that Brooke doesn't match up very well against, you kind of have to take him off the floor okay, you put Giannis at center and you put Wesley Matthews in there, you're not really losing anything defensively. So, I mean, I don't know. It, it's so it's so dependent on matchups. I'm not going into anything with like a set, you know, we have to play Ingles over Wesley Matthews for the whole playoff run or we have to play Wesley Matthews over Ingles for the whole playoff run or, you know, we have to do this the whole time. Like, go with the flow, change things up as you need to, ride the hot hand, have, like, that's the purpose of having all these options is so that they can do that. You know, that is, I think, well said. As far as once you get to the postseason, y'all, it is playing matchups, right? You're making adjustments game to game uh, throughout a series. And we saw it before. Bobby Porter's only play a whole series. And then comes back the next series and is an absolute monster. So you you have to be willing to adjust like Nathan says. And you know me, I love playing Bs. So for me, if in a certain series, Ingles matches up better than Wesley Matthews, then you play him. Maybe you don't play Matthews as well, much. But in the next series, the offensive threat is a, a bigger issue and Ingles can't stay in front of him and Matthews can, then Matthews is going to get more run and you sacrifice the offense for Ingles. And even with Matthews in there, to be honest with you, Matthews can get going from outside, hit two or three threes in a game and start feeling himself a little bit, a little bit kind of similar to Joe Ingles. Now, he doesn't have the passing ability and all that other stuff that Ingles bring. I understand that. So in that situation, yes, he's going to be in for defense more than he's going to be in uh, for offense. To me, I want to see how this plays out with Grayson Allen. That's the one that I'm intrigued by because he's been shooting the ball really well. So, you know, how much is he going to play versus Pat Connaughton? That, to me, I I want to see how much those two get run. You know, Connaughton getting these... These token starts and all this is ridiculous. But either way, he's getting them waiting for Middleton, da-da-da-da-da. Middleton finally gets back in there. 
I think Connaughton is going to be the guy that finds himself on the outside looking in when we start talking about playoff rotations and playoff minutes and so forth. Now that you've added all these other pieces, maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe he'll play. I don't think he's going to play a lot though. Nate. I don't know. I think, I think, I think he'll play more than Grayson only because I think you get to the playoffs and Grayson's defense will get exposed. And I don't know. His offense seems to usually kind of disappear against, and it's not that he, you know, misses every shot. It's just that good teams are kind of able to take away his offense. They know what he, you know, they know he's just a catch and shoot guy for the most part. And they can kind of shut that down a bit. He's, he's a little bit one dimensional. And so I think every time you get into the playoffs and you, or you play against a good team, even in the regular season, we kind of see Grayson's offense fall down. And then, you know, if you have a, a, a good guy, a, a good offensive player to um, try to get Grayson switched onto, okay, you know, he, all of a sudden he's getting exposed defensively. He's not doing much offensively. And I, I think Grayson probably, I believe Pat will probably play over Grayson because I think he's better defensively. And I don't know. I, I trust him more overall just as a player in the playoffs. It's just, again, it's so, it'll be so interesting because it's like you have, you have, those guys, you have Javon, you have Ingles, you have Bobby, you have Wesley Matthews, and you know you still have Jay Crowder. It, there's just so many guys that potentially could play. You know, it's and, a better roster than the one that won the championship. Yeah, and and it's a blessing and a curse. Like the the curse is that you have to figure out who to play, and like sure. you have to make those decisions. There's going to be guys that don't play that are still good players, but like you have to figure out in a series. Okay, who's Who's not really a good matchup in this series? Who's who should we be trying to keep off the court? Who should we be trying to keep on the court? Like who's playing well right now? Who's just ice cold from three that we have to like you you just have to be able to make those deci- decisions. And you know, again, last year was a little bit easier. There was really only one like big change they could have made, which was Javon over George Hill. That would like, but other than that, that they kind of were just stuck with what they had, which again it's good that it makes it simple for you, but it's bad because if it's not working, you don't have anything else to really go to. I'd much rather have the depth options and have all these, you know, have to make all these decisions. It's a, it's a pretty good problem to have, but you know, it, it's going to make for some, you know, interesting, interesting uh, rotation decisions. Mr. Marzian, we got a tweet here from cone roller tweeting at Sparky radio and at Nathan Marzian, any concern with Giannis's stat padding and what he is talking about, obviously in the previous game before Orlando, End of the game meant nothing. Just kind of bounced it off the corner of the backboard, caught it, got himself a triple double. The NBA then later came back, reversed it. Um, on Twitter, I laughed. Like, why is it that big of a deal? Why does it really matter? Is this going to dictate him from becoming MVP or not MVP? Is it about not making the Hall of Fame versus making the Hall of Fame? Is it about being a first ballot Hall of Famer, about not being a first ballot Hall of Famer? Is that one single triple double going to ruin? the history of the NBA because they allowed him to catch that. Now I understand we have other times in NBA history where people have done similar crap. I understand. I get it. But in all reality, it really meant absolutely nothing whatsoever and not at all. I'm not worked up about it. I don't care about it. Um, I'm fine with it. Uh, And we just move on from there. I'm seeing guys on TV talking about, Oh, Giannis, you know, you got to be better, man. You got to be better than that. And trying to do that stuff. Dude, stop. Just relax. Like, I didn't think it was a big deal at all, personally. Nathan? Yeah, I didn't really care. You know, I, I'm not, I wasn't like all for it. Like, oh, this is awesome. I love that he did it. Um, but I also, I wasn't 
I had no issue with it. I I wasn't you know against it. Um, the only time I ever like will get on people for stat padding, like I think Westbrook in those triple double years stat padded a little bit, where like, but but that's not just doing it one time as a joke. That's like doing it you know basically throughout the whole season, like for minutes at the end of games when like the game's out of reach and you're trying to get points and you're trying to like dish out assists and grab every rebound. Like those are like stats that actually make a difference on your overall stat total for the season. And like, you know, if you do it consistently and if you're actually like doing it seriously, like Giannis was obviously like half joking doing this. It wasn't something like he, you know, chased down a ton of boards at the end and like was trying to just get every rebound he could to get his triple double. No, he just realized I'm one, I'm one away jokingly threw it up got three but like if you do it as a joke it to me it's not something you can really criticize because he knows he was obviously joking about he obviously was like kind of laughing about it i don't know i i didn't i i'm not gonna get on about it get mad about it like who cares it's not it's not a big deal and like you said it's not really gonna change anything one way or the other They, they took it away so it's like doesn't even matter who cares Folsy Bear, tweet that Sparky Radio net Nathan Marzian. Looking at the teams of the East and West, is there a team that the Bucs legitimately don't match up well against? Would you like to start, Nathan? I will start, and I will say no. Like, there's not a team they don't match up well. There's there's nobody in the league that you're like, oh, we really don't want to face them. Thank you. you. Know? I'm like, I, do I, like, would I prefer not to face Boston? Yes, because they're the second best team. Would I prefer not to face um, Phoenix? Phoenix, sure. They have Kevin Durant. They have Booker. Like, they're a good team. Sure. But it, they're just good teams. They're not teams that you're like, yeah, the Bucks can't beat them because this, this, and that. Like, no, we can beat anyone. I, you, there's I, no Golden a, State with Durant. Like, there's no yeah. absolute dynasty that scares the crap out of you. And I, and I just, I mean, I always kind of tell people, too, like, and even this is even when we aren't necessarily the best team in the league, even if we're like one of the three, four best teams in the league, I'm like, you got to remember that like other teams are just as afraid of us as we are of any other team. Like people are going, we don't want to face Giannis. Like that team is, you know, pretty loaded. That team's deep. They've won 18 of 19 now. Like other teams are seeing this about us. So like, we don't have to sit there and be afraid of other teams because they're afraid of us. Like they don't want to face us. They, you know, so that's what I kind of tell you because we, we just think of it as like we we kind of forget about how good we are and just think about, oh, Boston's really good. The Suns are really good. The the Nuggets are really good. The Sixers are good. They just beat us. Like those teams are looking at us the same exact way, if not more, you know, that they're just they don't want to face us at all. I don't think I think Boston, honestly, I from Celtics fans that I know and seeing other Celtics fans on Twitter and stuff, like it has changed in the past even just month, them going from like yeah, we're like, we're going to beat you guys in, you know, again to like, I think right now they're like, I don't know if we can beat Milwaukee. Like plenty of Celtics fans I know have said, like, I I'm starting to kind of not, they're obviously going into a series. They're still going to be like, we can win, but I don't think they would predict them to win. I think it's gone from like them being the, you know, 60%, 65% favorites to us being the 60, 65% favorites because we've been playing so well, they've fallen off a little bit and, Again, nobody wants to face Giannis. Nobody. No, I, Giannis, I, is, I, Giannis is better than like, – he's on a different level than Tatum. Yeah. You don't want oh. to face the best player in the league. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. All right, last one uh, from Twitter. Midwest Sports at Sparky Radio and Nathan Marzian here on the Green and Growing Podcast. Break down how many minutes you see each player getting during the playoffs. 
So I went and I called up uh, here on my phone just to get a general sense of how many minutes guys were playing. So I went to the finals when they faced Phoenix to get an idea, right? Uh, game two, I think it was. 41 minutes for Middleton, 40 minutes for Giannis, 39 for Drew Holiday, 34 for P.J. Tucker, 28 minutes-ish for Brooke Lopez, 33 for Pat Connaughton. That will not happen anymore. Uh, 12 minutes for Jeff Teague, five and a half for Bryn Forbes, four and a half for Bobby Portis in that game. Uh, and Elijah Bryant played 17 seconds, not playing uh, Jordan Wara, Justin Jackson, Sam Muriel, Thanasis, and Diakite, all not playing uh, in that game against the Suns. I'll start here. I don't believe that you will see outside of Middleton, Giannis, and Drew Holiday, I don't think you'll see anybody else play more than 30 minutes a game in the playoffs. I think they're deep enough where those other guys will be rotating in. And I'll take it a step farther. I don't think Middleton will play 40 minutes a game in the playoffs either because they're going to protect him. So if I were guessing, I would guess Middleton probably plays closer to 35 minutes, 34, 35 minutes, probably somewhere in that area. Uh, once you get into the playoffs, he's not going to probably play 40 minutes because again, you've got other guys that can come in and play and there's not as big of a drop-off necessarily. A true holiday and Giannis, I think probably still play, you know, somewhere around 40 minutes more than likely as the games get bigger, as you go farther into the playoffs. Uh, Connaughton, like I said earlier in the podcast, I think, and those are 33 minutes that I think there just aren't going to be there. Uh, and then the rest of those guys aren't even on the team anymore. Bobby Portis is definitely going to play more than four and a half minutes a game, right? So Portis is probably going to play somewhere around 15 minutes a game would be my guess, somewhere in that area. Jay Crowder's probably going to play somewhere in the area of 20 minutes a night. Joe Ingles probably 12, 10, 12 minutes a night, somewhere in that area. Um, Carter, I think we don't know. I think that's kind of a wild card. Like, would they play him off ball next to Drew Holiday? Um or how is that going to work uh, with that other off guard? Or are they going to have him come in? And if that's the case, if he's only going to play behind Holiday, he's not going to get a ton of time, I don't think. I, I don't. I mean, five, six minutes a game, maybe, somewhere in that area. I, I don't think it's going to be a lot of time uh, for him if he's only playing behind Drew Holiday. Because to be honest with you, if Drew Holiday can go, I don't want to pull Drew Holiday off the floor any more than I have to. It, and he's healthy enough where that shouldn't be an issue. So that's kind of how I see it. What about you, Nathan Marzian? I can't, I can't give, you know, again, I can't give definitive answers here because it's so dependent on matchups. It's so dependent on how guys are playing in the moment and with the depth they have, you can't lock guys into certain minute totals. I think the only guys you can lock in, yeah, Giannis and Drew are going to play 40 plus minutes, you know, between 40, 45, somewhere in there, um, depending on the game. And then Chris will play 35 to 40. I think. I ideally want to play Jay 25 to 30, ideally. Um, you know, especially against a team like Boston. Like, I, I want to play him a lot. Like, I want him out there to defend Tatum. I want him playing much, you know, ahead of Grayson Allen and, um, you know, li limit Grayson to not many minutes in that series. Javon probably is going to play 15. Um, and then after that, again, the rest of those guys are are pretty, like, it's all wild card. It's all like dependent on how they're playing. I think Bobby could play 20 minutes a night in a series. I think he could play, you know, I think he could basically play none, not at all in a series. Like it, it's so, you know, and 
Brooke Lopez, like how much is Brooke Lopez playing? I don't know. It depends on who they're, you know, the matchups and everything. So I can't lock in minute totals. I just can't do it. it it's so, it's, it's such a wild card. Yeah. I, I, I just think at the end of the day, you're going to play your best players. That That's what it is. Right. So then you as a fan listening, just start writing down who your top, you know, eight guys are. And those guys that are probably going to play a bunch of the minutes, whoever your top eight are, uh, maybe top seven, maybe doesn't even get to eight, but this team is deep enough. I think it gets to eight. I don't know if it gets to nine as far as guys that are going to get significant time. You know, when you start getting it down to nine and 10, maybe you're talking five minutes uh, for those type of guys. I don't think you're going to be seeing the type of breakdown that we're seeing right now in the regular season with all these guys getting a bunch of run. A lot of this is Bud trying to figure out who he likes playing together in spurts, right? Who's his best team when we're talking about uh, needing a three ball? Who's the who's the best defensive lineup that he can throw out there? Uh, Marzian brought up earlier a lineup featuring Wesley Matthews and Jay Crowder and Giannis and those guys all on the floor together. So maybe when you need big stops and it's touch and go in the end of a game, maybe Wesley Matthews gets some run uh, in the end of game situations. I don't know. I'll have to wait and see. Marzian, uh, real quickly, a prediction for the Big East tournament uh, for Marquette, please. We lose to UConn in the semifinals or whatever that would be. Yeah, semifinals. So you yeah. don't think they can beat UConn either, huh? Not that I don't think they can. I just UConn kicked their butt the last time. UConn's a bad matchup for us. They out-rebound us every time they play us. Yep. They have a big guy that we can't really match up with. I don't know. They're, I don't think they're a better team than us, but when we play them, they're probably going to win. Yeah, and this goes back to the guy asking earlier if there's a bad matchup for the Bucks. They don't have that. Marquette, though, can have that if the other team rebounds at a high rate. Uh, Marquette gets in a little bit of trouble. Nathan, thank you so much, my friend. I enjoyed it. Follow him at Nathan Marzian. Follow me at Sparky Radio, another edition of Green and Growing. Enjoy the rest of your day.